Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. Well, I'm excited. We're going to continue this series, Much Love, which is all about healthy relationships. That's why we called it Much Love, because God has much love for you. In fact, God has so much love for you that He sent His only Son into the world to die a sinner's death, to be raised. That's what Resurrection Sunday when we celebrate, celebrate uh, Christmas, Easter, we celebrate Easter, it's all about Resurrection Sunday is all about celebrating the life that came to us through Jesus. That's how much God loves you and how much love He has for you. So I just want to recap really quickly where we've been in this series. We've, we've been coming from 1 John chapter 4, but just if I can recap for a moment. Part 1 was all about Understanding from 1 John chapter 4, what John is saying or what God is saying through John is this, is I am generating love to you. I am sending my love to you. I am initiating my love towards you through Jesus. Here it is. I'm generating love. For us to try to generate love is nothing but a counterfeit. It's nothing but a counterfeit. It's not real love. But what we get to do is we get to stand there for a moment and realize what our role is, which, which is to respond. We get to be responders to God's love. We get to respond to that agape love that came from heaven to us. So that's really, really cool to talk about that. And then understanding that love means that we can then go out into the world around us and show God's love. Show God's love to the world around us. Part two was John and Helen Burns who did an amazing job. Man, that was so cool having them here. I, I remember being about 20, 21 years of age sitting in my church, Hillsong Church in Sydney, and listening to John Burns for the very first time talk about dating his daughters. Wasn't that awesome? If you were here for that, if you weren't here, you need to go and listen to the podcast. But he talked, and I remember at the time, he was talking about how important it is to, to, to date your daughters and to spend time in relationship with your kids and take that time and help them and, and be close to them. And I remember at the time being 20, 21 years of age and just thinking, this is revolutionary teaching that we can actually date our daughters, that we can walk, we can communicate with them. So that was really, really amazing. Part three was so much fun last week. Jill and I just take, took a moment just to share from our own relationship, our own marriage, what God has done, what God has spoken through our relationships. We spoke a message called the four signs of a healthy relationship. What were they? Authenticity. We've got to be real with each other. We've got to have some kind of healthy boundaries. That's another clear sign that that's a healthy relationship. We've got to communicate consistently to avoid distortion that comes with distance. And we've got to be willing to count the cost and to cover the cost in our relationship. So I want to continue the series today. Much love. If you're looking for a title this morning, the title of the message, part four of the series is Heaven's Love Language. Heaven's Love Language. I bet there'd be many people in this room that have read the book, The Five Love Languages. Has anyone read that book? Hopefully many people. Anyone do it in premarital counseling? Yep. <laughs> yep. Everyone knows the book. Most people know the book. If you don't know the book, you need to go and get the book because it's amazing. It actually comes from a Christian's perspective. Dr. Gary Chapman, he's a pastor. He's a Christian counselor. He's actually from North Carolina, not far from here. But it's just an amazing resource. Sold over 10 million copies, been translated into 49 languages. It's just an amazing, amazing book. But what Chapman suggests in this book is something kind of unique. and It's an observation from his time in ministry. And he says this, well, this is the observation that 
looking at how someone may express love to others, you can analyze what they complain about, what someone is dissatisfied about in a relationship, what they complain about most often and what they request from their significant other the most often. And he theorizes that people tend to naturally give love in the way that they prefer to receive love. And better communication between couples can be accomplished when one can demonstrate caring to the other person in the love language that the recipient understands. Or whatever fills their tank up the quickest. Whatever fills their tank up the best. An example would be if a husband's love language is acts of service. He may be confused when he does the laundry for his wife and she doesn't perceive that as an act of love. Can I stop there? If I did the laundry in my house, for my wife, she may as well be in heaven. She may well have just ascended to heaven, spending time with the angels in communion with God every day. If I did the laundry in my house, it would be game over. That's how great it would be. (laughs) This is just ministering to me. But she doesn't perceive that as an act of love, viewing it as simply performing household duties because her love language is words of affirmation. It's just an example. Verbal affirmation that he loves her. She might might try to use what she values, words of affirmation, to express love for him, which he would not value as much as she does. So what is it? It's kind of a nice spin on saying, how does a love tank get filled up in a person? What does it look like? What do people prefer? So really quickly, I want to go through what they actually are. So the first, you all know this because I know you've read it. The first is acts of service. That's the first love language, which is doing things for the other person. It's all about a display of affection through the completing of tasks to help that person. Doing things around the house. Guys, if you go and gas up your wife's car for her, or even if you go all the way and you clean out the trash from the car. Man, that's an act of service right there. That's a good one. Number two, receiving of gifts. Receiving of gifts. Well, that's an obvious one. Just give me stuff because I like it. Just give me stuff. Maybe it's a gift card, some flowers, something like that. The person who has this love language, they just love to receive a gift. They just love to receive a gift. It really impacts that person when they receive a gift. Even if it's a small thing. Even if it's just a note. Even if it's just... It's perceived as a gift. They receive it and it fills them up. Number three, words of affirmation, which is reaffirming through words that you love me, you appreciate, you care about me. That fills my love tank up. I believe words have such a power in relationships. Such a power. Someone, for some people to really hear those words, fills them up. Fills them up quickly. Number four, quality time. Quality time. (laughs) That's a separation or distinguishing of a portion of time devoted to spending that time where there is a richer, more intimate connection. And it's not just any time. It's not just like that, well, I've got five minutes. Let's talk. I've got five minutes, so I'm just here. Just before I run off to my next meeting, I've got a bit of time. What do you you want to talk about? No, 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 no. Quality time. Quality time is good time. It's set-apart time. It's distinguished time. It's not on our phones time. It's not on our email time. It's not sitting at my desk time. I have a study at home. I spend a lot of time in there, sitting at my desk. Quality time for me, for my wife or my kids is not when they come into the study and I'm sitting there at my desk and I take a moment to hear from them. 
I take a moment to listen. No, no, that's not quality time. Quality time is distinguished, devoted, fully intentional time. And the last one, and all the men in the house will give me an amen, physical touch. Physical touch. All the guys love this one. Guys are wired this way. Physical touch is a way for my love tank to be filled up. It's a way for me to know that I'm loved. It matters for me, but it also matters for women too. To walk down the street holding hands, physical touch. To go for a walk on the beach, arm in arm, physical touch. A hug, physical touch. Just one way for our love tanks to get filled up. But I love this resource that Dr. Gary Chapman's given us. I believe it's a gift to the church and gift to the world, really. It's amazing to be able to serve the people in our world better and better and better and give them what they actually need, to understand them just a little bit more. God didn't put people in your world just to fill space. He didn't put people in your world because he knew one day you would have a social calendar and he didn't want you to feel lonely, so he's like, I'm going to put people in your world just so you're not bored. He puts people in your world because he's entrusting something to you. He's putting people in your world and in your sphere because he wants to minister to them through you. He wants to use you as well. But to be able to speak people's love language, we've got to be able to speak that language fluently, just to take his example a little bit further. If you think about it like a love language, if it's a language... Two things have got to happen. I've got to learn the language, and then I've got to speak it fluently. If you think about it like a language, I've got to go through the process of learning that language. I've got to go through a process of actually learning it, which can be painful at times, and then I've got to actually speak it fluently, which means I've got to use it more often. I've got to go through the process of learning what it is, and then speak it so I become fluent in it. I went through this process, and I've got to admit, it's certainly painful for me to, to learn my wife's love language. She loves to receive gifts. My, my wife, she loves to receive gifts. But there's a problem. I'm not a good gift giver. I'm not very good at giving gifts. I'm not very good. My attitude is like, well, I'm here. What do you need? I'm right here. What do you need? You want to go to dinner? Okay, let's go to dinner. What do you need? What, what's bothering you? Okay, cool. You, you need... Okay. I'm not good at giving gifts. So I had to go through the painful process of learning the language, but then it's not just, a, it just it, it's actually hard to learn a language. Anyone learned a second language in here? It's actually hard. There's pain attached to it. You've got to go through it. But if you want to get good at it, you've got to speak it fluently, which means using it all the time, which means actually taking the time to use it as much as we can. It's so important. See, when it comes to the love languages, these are all about helping us communicate and serve the people in our world and do better with what God's entrusted to us. But I want to talk this morning about a love language I believe supersedes all of those love languages. I want to talk about a love language that goes further than any acts of service, further than any, any uh, um, you know, gift, further than any physical touch can. I want to talk about the heavens, heaven's love language. I want to talk about the kingdom of God's love language. I want to read from uh, Mark chapter 9. Sorry, Luke. Luke chapter 9. That's what I said. Luke chapter 9. And in Luke chapter 9, there's a succession of things happening here. Jesus sends out the 12. 
He does the miracle of the 5,000. He feeds them all. He goes through the, the, the intercourse uh, he has with, with Peter, the, the discussion he has with Peter, where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. And then he goes on and he says, Now I need to go and suffer many things. And he says this in verse 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever, should, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is shamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. And when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is revolutionary stuff that he's saying. Whoever would come after me, let him deny himself. I believe that kingdom, the kingdom's love language is death to ourselves. Kingdom's love language is to say no to us and yes to Jesus. The kingdom's love language is to deny myself and every day take up my cross and follow Jesus. And when we apply that principle, when we apply what Jesus has shown us about this walk, when we apply it to our relationships, it's a complete game changer. It changes the game. When I deny myself in my relationships here on earth, all of a sudden I've got heaven's perspective. All of a sudden things begin to change with me. So point one this morning. If you're taking notes, is this, to really die means to really live. When it comes to my relationships, when it comes to the way I approach my Christianity, for me to really die means that I really live. Ephesians 2. I'm going to read it from the, uh, the message translation. It won't be up on the, on the screen, but Paul's talking about the dividing wall of hostility that's now been erased because of Jesus. And he says this in verse 5. He said, It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. It's much love. He took our sin-dead lives and what made us alive in Christ. To really die to ourselves, to really deny ourselves, means that we are fully alive in Christ. To quote Billy Graham, I, I am never more alive when I die to myself and allow Christ to live in me. I would love it if you could write this down and maybe you'll remember this this week as you're dealing with something going on in your world. We all have lots of relationships, but I believe this could help you. I've got to get myself out of the way and give Jesus right of way. I've got to get myself out of the way and give Jesus right of of way. You know, when I looked at this passage in, uh, in Luke chapter 9, something just struck me about it. And I just stopped right there, the very beginning of it. In Luke chapter 9, it just stood out to me. It says, and he said to all. And he said to all. Not a limited few, not a select group, but he's saying, this is what, this is what the word's saying is today, everyone. Deny yourself. Everyone, deny yourself and take up your cross. It's not for the social elite. It's not for the religious elite. Jesus is saying, let him deny himself and take it up daily. I've got to get myself out of the way and give Jesus right of way. Point number two. 
When I die to myself, I see so much clearer. When I die to myself, when I move myself out of the way, when Jesus has right of way in my life, I see things so much clearer. Obedience isn't so hard anymore. Obedience isn't so hard. It says, take up his cross how often? What frequency? Daily. Daily take up your cross. To obey God isn't as hard as it was when I was dragging my pride into every situation. Obedience all of a sudden isn't so difficult. When my pride is lying on the road behind me, I can do what God needs me to do. What would that look like for the relationships in your everyday? What would that look like for the relationships in your world, in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids? I wonder what a daily surrender, a denial of ourselves would look like if we applied that to our marriages. I wonder if you're at loggerheads. I wonder if you're at a standoff. What if you denied yourself? (laughs) This is truth this morning. What if we denied ourselves? We got ourselves out of the way so we could let God go through and make a change. Something would change. It would. You see, there's a transaction or a trade, or if you like, a formula that's at work here. See, we need to understand there's a clear difference between what the world is trying to sell us and what Scripture is trying, us, trying to get us to grab a hold of. See, the world's formula looks something like this. Next slide. There you go. If I have none of Jesus and I grab as much as I can in this life, I'll be better off now. See, that's the world's formula. If I have none of Jesus, if God isn't in the focus, if God isn't in, in first place in my life, but I can grab everything I, I can in this season, in this relationship, if I can just get that person to do what I want, if I can just get that person to give me what I need, if I can just make it all work for me and have none of Jesus, then I'm going to be better off. That's what the world's trying to sell you. But see, heaven has a different formula, and it looks like this. If I have all of Jesus plus none of me, I'm better off, period. If I have all of Jesus and zero of me, I'm going to be better off, not just now, not just today, not just this week, not just next week. I'm going to be better off every single season. Can I get an amen in the house? I'm going to be better off every single season. And most of all, I'm going to be better off in eternity because I have Jesus in my life. Today is all about a land grab. Today is all about, hey, what can I just get for me today? What can I just suck out of this person's life today? What can I get for me? But heaven's formula, heaven's love language is completely different. It takes the opposite. How can I serve you? How can I help you? Where are you at right now? Help me understand it so I can serve you better. Help me understand what you're going through because I love you. I'm going to put aside what's going on with me to serve you. And I'll be better off for today, better off for this week, better off forever. I believe this is a game changer for our relationships. This is a game changer. This is heaven's love language. This is how the kingdom of God works. Imagine if we died to ourselves a little more. Imagine how it would look. Imagine what would change if we died to ourselves. You know, obedience doesn't mean that we have to give it all up. I just want to put a caveat out there. There are people out there that walk around with almost like a chip on their shoulder, a martyr spirit. 
that says, I'm just giving it all up. I'm denying myself. I'm denying myself. Look at me. I'm denying myself. That's not what this is. Denying ourselves is just simply getting us out of the way to let God's power work in our lives. We need to become people who deny ourselves more often to become more like God. I'd love it if you could write this one down. It's not about giving it all up. It's about letting God add it all in. Matthew 6 and verse 33. Any Christian who's been a Christian longer than a day would know this verse. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to me. All these things will be added. You ever thought about what things are? You ever thought about what, what he's talking, what Jesus is talking about? Things? He's giving us a glimpse into the kingdom. All these things. If I deny myself and put God first and allow Jesus to be in control of my life, what are all these things? All the things you want. <laughs> all the things you want, but there's a difference. They're in the correct order. Because you've sought first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, what God wants for us. We're surrendering that position in our lives. And God says, I'm going to add those things as well. So point number one, to really die means to really live. Point number two, when I die to myself, I see so much clearer. And point number three, when I die to myself, I am never more close to God. I'm never more close to God. There is never a point that I will be closer to God when I've given up every bit of myself. See, the big thing that people often ask themselves in this thing called the Christian life is this, am I really saved? And listen to me very carefully. If I were to be asked that question by someone, this is what I would say, have you actually surrendered? Am I really saved? Well, let me ask you this. Are you fully surrendered? Have you surrendered your will? See, there's people, just to use a very simple analogy that was shown to me a long time ago. If you look at this, this pen, this is a simple pen, and we're going this way in life. We're going this way in life. We're doing everything we can. We go to church. I'm trying my best to be in church. I'm trying my best to do the right things. I'm trying my best to make it, to do what I think God is telling me to do. I'm trying I'm trying, I'm trying. And just like, man, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't, I don't feel God working in my life. And all of a sudden, when we get to that place, that place of total surrender, we've just got nothing left. When we realize that, man, it's never about my power. It's all about God's power. I've just got to let him in. I've got to move myself out of the way to give Jesus the right away. And all of a sudden, God drops his hand down from heaven, spins that thing around, and that's it. I'm fully surrendered. And I go a different way. I go a different way in life. All of a sudden, everything's so much easier. All of a sudden, I'm no longer worried about how much is working for me or how much isn't working for me. God's in control of my life. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter what I get or don't get. I have Jesus. I'm going this way. All of a sudden, I'm moving this way. But when I was going this way, I was trying everything I could. But I stopped trying. I gave it over to God. And I went the other way. When I die to myself, I am never more close to God. Team can come back up. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, it 
Matthew chapter 5, it's early in Jesus' ministry. And he's, he's kind of setting the stage early on. Yeah, he's doing miracles. He's connecting with people. Things are happening. But what's really going on is Jesus is giving us a glimpse into the dynamics of the kingdom of God. He's giving us a glimpse. And in Matthew chapter 5, he talks about this dynamic called dying to ourselves. If you know it differently, it's called the Sermon of the Mount or the Beatitudes. And he says this, he says, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed to a hillside. I believe that the reason he waited till there were huge crowds is because God wanted to get the word out about how things really work. Those who, were, who apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him because he, I think Jesus knew that those people would spread the word. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. He said, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. <laughs> says, you're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Verse 5, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Would you stand? Lord, we just thank you, Father, that there's a kingdom dynamic that we saw through Jesus. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, that we can decrease and you can increase in our lives. Father, we just thank you that when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to the love that you've shown us, Lord, that we can actually move ourselves out of the way and see you have full access to our lives. Lord, I just pray that we would understand that in a whole new way this morning. Father, I just pray this morning, Lord, that your word would speak to your people. God, I just pray right now, Father, that when it comes to the relationships, the God-ordained relationships that you've brought into our world, that you've entrusted to us, God. Father, I just pray that we could apply this principle to our lives. We could apply this principle of dying to what we want, dying to what we think we need, and just giving it all up to you. And letting you work through us, Lord. Letting you work through the issues. Letting you work through the seasons. Letting you work through the challenges, the obstacles, the setbacks. The things that come at us and we don't understand, Lord. Help us to die to ourselves. Help us to deny ourselves, take up our cross every single day and let Jesus have right of way. Father, I just thank you for that miracle in our lives this morning. Lord, if there's people in this room and that hasn't become a reality yet, Lord, I just pray that these coming days, Father, that that word would be sealed in their hearts and remembered, Father, so that the obstacles can be overcome, that the blockages can be removed, and that your grace and your mercy and your favor and your love, Lord, will flow through your people. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.